Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 17 of the Rewind. As always, we thank everyone who gives us a listen, whether it's on demand, on YouTube, live during a premiere, or just through one of our uh, podcast download areas like iTunes or Spotify. So uh, this week should be a really good one uh, because we've got a lot of news from VR that sparked quite a bit of discussion. Uh, so first, as we have to say, Theric, how are you? And uh, are you ready for a jam-packed show? I am doing really well. I'm on um, the first few days of my 2020 staycation because we can't go anywhere this year. So I'm uh, I'm well-rested and uh, yeah, I'm ready to jump in. Awesome. And I would love to talk more about staycations because I actually prefer a staycation <laughs> over a vacation every day of the week. But uh, So me too, me too. My wife... <laughs> hates the staycation it's she goes crazy like she she despises the staycation i don't know there's nothing more i want (laughs) than to just be in my house without anything holding me back i hear you man i hear you anyways let's uh let's go ahead and jump right in because like i said there is a lot to cover this this week in visionary realms news and notes okay as always we start with vr and uh what they're talking about out there and what the community's talking about with that so we actually retreated to a developer stream um, Thursday night, and it was entitled State of the Game. Now, we have a video out there. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. I'm sure there's going to be pieces in the, throughout the podcast that reference this. So it's not my goal to give you guys every single detail. So I'm going to give a kind of quick wrap up on the things that I thought were pretty important to know. And then, Theric, anything you want to share as well. But let me get started by saying, um, you know, we got a lot um, of info on pre uh, pre alpha five and and what that's going to look like. So first to check off the list, we'll be seeing emails, I guess, next week um, if you're in the VIP program um, for the uh, what they're calling the pre alpha five shakedown. So we're told that it, this is going to be a very short couple hour testing cycle to test some very specific items for the VR team with larger numbers um, where, we're, you know, they probably want people to kind of try to break it, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> you know, that's always fun. Um, but then after that, they said that uh, the testers will get a chance at some more organic playtime, which is said to include all classes. And in kind of what they said about the shakedown is that you're going to be able to try the dire Lord or shaman if you're a tester. Um, but in the, the, larger, more organic playtime, they're going to have every single class in with all class abilities to give kind of a sense of like the full loop of gameplay. And they use the word progression, like feeling progression, even uh, culminating with a raid fight. So really cool. I think that anyone who's a VIP is going to be really excited to check that out. And if you're not a VIP, there is still time if you wanted to upgrade. So pretty cool stuff there. Um, now we believe, or I guess I should say, I believe, I don't want to speak for you there, but um, we, <laughs> sure I believe. we, we sort of believe that the hinted, uh, boss fight that they're talking about will be sleepless. Now, again, yeah. this is just, it's just me talking. Um, but the reason is, is that in a past stream, he actually, uh, Joppa was talking about the fight with Ko and he said that PA five testers would see this fight. So that's a pretty good yeah. reason why I think that's there. Yeah. He also said that we've seen we've seen pieces of it before. We had hints of it. So yeah, and I can't think of any other. I mean, except for the one in Halner Cave way back in the day. Nashira, um, I, I, yeah, yeah, not sure. We haven't seen any others other than Sleepless. So and, pretty and strong spe- bet. Yeah, he specifically said too that players will have to overcome climate, and we've seen um, what 
the sleepless fight does with a climate sense. So I'm thinking that that's a yeah. lot of the clues are being pointed towards that. So that should be exciting if that is the case. Um, Very exciting. Yeah. And talking back to the classes, like they just, you know, talking about how they, they finalized all the classes in, in what we talked about last night on Pantheon plus you and what I believe to be a pretty short period of time because they had to take all the class abilities and rewrite them in a new way. And I thought that was pretty cool, but they also said that now where they're at, they're finalizing the process of adding these abilities to NPCs because it's been said in the past that the NPCs you come across are going to have player skills. Like you can get messed, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can get, yeah. um, you know, uh, dire Lord blood abilities thrown on you, um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, that's exciting to hear that they're, they're getting towards the end of that. And that's going to be another piece of that full game loop, right. Of experiencing yeah. that kind of thing. So pretty that's cool. huge. Like that's, that's a pretty big announcement. I, I don't want to, I don't think that can be understated too much. You know, I think, um, I think that's a pretty, pretty big announcement. And I just want to, while we're here, while we're talking about this, somebody last night on Pantheon Plus U, um, one of our listeners, actually, Unix1636, asked me a question about this sort of uh, through a direct message. And I just want to answer it right now because mm -hmm. he was saying, you know, because we're going to see the Dire Lord and the Shaman in the the early, you know, part, the shakedown or the, the early focus testing, um, is that an indication of, you know, are those the only two classes that are in a fully complete state or in a state of readiness to play? And he was just sort of, voicing some concerns that maybe that's an indication of, you know, the overall state of the game. And I think they answered that later on, like you said, you know, so in that later, the, the full, like you see more organic play session, it's going to be all the classes are going to be available with their abilities. Right. Yeah. The full complement of abilities. Um, we don't know when that's going to be, you know, we don't have clarity on the fact of, they said, you know, PA five will happen before the end of the summer. I don't know if that just means the shakedown, I don't know if that includes the organic <laughs> loop, right? So we don't, we, I don't want to over speculate that. We don't yeah. know that yet. Um, and yeah. hopefully there'll be more clarity on that coming up. Um, yeah. Some other things that stood out to me, they talked about faction and they kind of like, I got this sense of like how full it'll be, you know, not just some kind of EQ faction system. Um, it, it's like not only how the player feels towards NPCs, but how the NPCs feel towards each other and, what kind of dialogue you'll have is going to influence it, which my sense would say that that's also going to heavily affect like flagging for the keeper system. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really, again, every piece of this loop, this organic loop is tied to itself, tied to something else. And I love that. Right. Even talking yeah. about the classes, like we were, the NPCs are going to have those abilities. Um, yeah. It's, it's just really neat. It's really exciting. I think they've been working really hard to get to this point to show a true Pantheon experience and while I understand that a lot of people maybe are um, uh, impatient because it's been a long wait, it's been a really long time since a tester has been able to get in. I get it. Um, but I think, you know, not being that white knight, I really think it's it's going to be worthwhile to feel the game as it should be. And I'm excited yeah. for that. This, I think this play, this pre-alpha session is going to look much different than the previous ones we've seen. And I think... A lot of the systems that are in place, they talked about, we haven't seen these in pre-alpha sessions before. Climbing hasn't been in, mm -hmm. the faction system, um, you know, some of the other ones we talked about, some of the class skills. This is going to be a pretty, pretty big experience, much different than what we've seen already. Yeah. Um, they mentioned patch notes. You guys can go back and check that out on their stream. Um, they talked about two new areas. Grandfather's Thorn it was, right? I think that's what it was mm -hmm. called and silent yep. planes and Ronick sort of made some comments about silent, silent planes. There, there seems to be like silent planes came up quite a bit. Um, there seems to be some excitement around this zone. 
they wanted to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. They were chomping at the bit to talk about it, they really but were. they're going to leave us hanging. Right. So yeah. that's okay. And we're going to talk about this a ton. So I'm not going to go into a, a lot of detail here, but they did talk more about the death penalty. And the piece I wanted to tie in before we dig in more in the rewind here on the death penalty is that they brought the crafting piece into it. Um, how they said that, you know, crafters will be able to repair durability, but they want to do it in a more meaningful way than just handing out repair kits. And I like that a lot. So it's kind yeah, of exciting. Yeah. I'm, 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 the more things you can do to tie a crafter into the world, I'm actually really a for, even if I'm not going to be a huge crafter, I still want to have value to my crafter friends or, or like people like Nafel who we play with, hopefully, you know, that kind of stuff I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll dig into that in the, uh, in the community discussions because <laughs> he has a really good post about that. And I want to dig into that quite, uh, quite in depth. Um, and before we, shadowing. foreshadowing, <laughs> yes, that's right. It's more to come. Um, but, but before we move on, there's one more thing I just wanted to mention because it was something that, that intrigued me was how he talked about the climbing system and how it's mm-hmm. going to, what it's going to look like in this, in this pre-alpha session. And Joppa talked about it. He used the word gamified. Um, and I think it's, we're interpreting that to mean that it's now connected to um, endurance or some sort of, you know, uh, limited resource that you have to use to climb and, and, and also connecting it to some sort of skill level. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't say that specifically, but I think it's a safe sort of interpretation. I don't know if you feel that way, but um, I definitely, definitely do. Yeah. And I think that's going to be interesting to see because we, we've sort of seen it in a vacuum up to this point. We've seen it in a sort of free form, you can just try it here, or we're going to show you what this looks like. Now it's going to be more of a, you know, um, how can you use this with the resources that you have? Right. So, yeah. And, and I think another reason why I really do agree with your take on that, um, is, uh, I think Joppa was on a round table. Was it last month or the month before? And, uh, he answered a question I threw out there about, um, like the rogue rope, like the fact that like, if everyone's able to climb well and level up, like what's, the advantage to a rogue having a rope. And he talked a lot about the skill needed, the gear and how a rogue is going to be a stronger climber. So there's a lot to climbing that we haven't gotten a great feel for just yet. Yeah. So looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. Awesome stuff. The The dev stream is really good. Um, there was, you know, some good Q and a there as well. And, and the patch notes, so there's more to check out. You guys can see that on pantheon.plus, but we'll talk about that later. Let's jump over to the what we always do. We talk about what the community is talking about from a standpoint of their Twitter account. Typically, Kilson's the one posting some questions, and it usually gets some good thought. And you kind of get a feel for how the community, at least on Twitter, feels about some of these things. So I told you we're going to be talking a lot about the death penalty today. Um, so the first topic he said is with more details revealed about our very own from our very own Drapa. Uh, what are your thoughts? So I, I just want to read this real quick. Here's here's the death penalty. Return to your bind spot, lose X percent of XP towards next level, durability hit to worn equipment, um, respawn with gear you were wearing, um, all inventory remains on your corpse and must be looted, so the bags, your clickies, anything in your inventory that's not equipped, including money, will stay on your corpse, and that resurrection abilities will return um, an amount of lost XP, and that all what they dub as priest classes um, or healers uh, will boast the same amount of experience um, returned. For the rest is. So that's the the question, like with the details revealed, what are your thoughts? That's what people are talking to. So let me go ahead and read through uh, this here. Um, Franklin says, does this mean that our future characters will have plenty of work with Necro's corpse summoning and Bard's corpse locating song? I'm getting all kinds <laughs> of hype. 
there, I'll tell you, the Necro and Bard crowd will always find a way to get in on the conversation. Always. <laughs> I want to hear what the corpse locating song sounds like. <laughs> That's, it's it's going to be like uh, Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson. Like that would be great for that. Right. There you go. Um, I posted in there. This sounds like a great rogue ability. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, cor- rogues are corpse creators, not corpse ah, summoners. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Lexer actually said uh, they're exactly what I expected, but missing sort of that Pantheon twist we've come to love. I'm not sure corpse recovery still really fits in a Pantheon motto of two hours for a productive session. Many of us have had uh, past corpse runs that have taken multi hours. Um, Micah actually jumped in on that conversation too. He's not a huge fan of this. Um, he said hate mail is why he didn't answer. <laughs> Having to run hours back to my corpse to retrieve the items I was gathering to craft gear, pots, food uh, for my team is not something I want to do anymore. I said it before, and this will just encourage dual boxing. Um, EXP durability loss alone is fine. So he, he's not for mm-hmm. it. And honestly, there were yeah, there were a lot of different takes on this. This is. I don't know. I felt like when this was said that it was going to be like everyone was going to be pretty happy because it had a piece of everything without much compromise. Yeah, but, that was my take too. Yeah, but it's it's not what we're seeing. Um, Christo uh, goes by at Chris Placco says um, durability is a poor excuse for realism in any game. It adds an additional layer of useless complexity and only serves to be a money sink. Death penalty? Yes. XP loss? Yes. De-leveling if you die without a buffer? Yes. Durability, though? Why? Weapons and armor is breaking? Why? Um, we'll get into that a bit more. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I got some things to say about yeah, that. It's, it's a good take. It's a good take. But um, Basgrim actually responded to him and said, like you said, money sink. Uh, even though repairing armor isn't exactly fun, as long as it doesn't take too long, it can be an effective money sink, which might in of itself be a reason for it to be there. Uh, games without money sinks have broken economies, which eventually turn into broken games. So that's a really good take. That's true. Basgrim. That's true. When the economy tanks, the game does go south real quick. Yeah. Um, so at Analog Kid, it goes by Seneca Presley says, I know you want death to come at a cost, but what it did in EQ was remove anyone's willingness to take risks. All anybody wanted to do was farm light blues, which is just hours of boredom. We only played it because there wasn't an alternative. Pretty interesting take. That is a very interesting take. And, and I'm going to talk about that a little later too. <laughs> I told you guys, this is a, a lot of death today on the, the, the rewind. Uh, Loxalis <laughs> yes. said, I personally hate bothering others to help me retrieve my corpse. If I respond with my armor, I can at least have a better chance of receiving it my, or retrieving it myself. The penalty is fine. I'm sure most will go back for their money and inventory, including bags. It's a good point. Um, Scott, uh, says it's not 1999 and corpse runs add nothing to benefit the gameplay. There is a decision you will, this is a decision you will later regret as it'll hamper long-term interest in player growth in Pantheon. Very harsh take there. Mm-hmm. I love this guy's name. Furious Pierre. He's got like some kind of, yeah. Yeah. And he's got some kind of like food, like breakfast Looks thing. Like as pancakes. Like, I think yeah, they're pancakes. Maybe. Um, return to your bind spot, return to your bind spot, XP loss only. Time should be the most important commodity. Durability and leaving items on the carps is far too much of a punishment unless there's a timed locked freeway like a corpse summoner for casual players. As in 24 hours after death, a corpse summoner will summon for free. Wow. I, you know, I hadn't read these beforehand. I'm surprised at some of the, some of the takes we're seeing. I had no idea there was such a sort of pushback against it. Interesting. Yeah, and, and for anyone who ever listens to this show, like I don't try to just take like, 
one side when I clip these. I try to, anybody who has like a really well-worded point, I try to put in here. So yeah, I mean, this is a good representation you're seeing here. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, Stone to the Bone says, I like all the decisions VR will make for me as is, and I will wait and see. I wait until I'm playing the game to get to see it in its entirety. Until then, for me, it's hypothetical. I will wait till it's done for a review, and then it looks at this point to be a compromise, which is fine by me. Well, Stone, yeah. I agree with you, but if without hypothetical, we don't have a show. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sort of thinking the same thing. I'm like, very reasonable. I agree yeah. with that, but wait a minute. And then we have nothing to talk about then. So no. Totally. Uh, Disposalist says, while Naked Corpse Run were social opportunities, I think the new normal game has plenty and should be the focus. Responding with gear means you can play while getting back to your other equipment. I prefer it. And XP loss, deleveling, repairs, etc. can be tuned for severity. Good point. Mm-hmm. Nafel, who we're going to hear from later, I am mostly good with it, but I did post some thoughts in the thread this morning. My biggest concern right now is if it will become trivial at max level. Foreshadowing. That's yeah. this, that's our <laughs> new thing today. Um, D. Roth says, I like it. Uh, uh, let the risk of adventuring live once again. Like, mm-hmm. And here's what yeah. I posted. I put... I'm excited. Finding the compromise to keeping death meaningful but adjusting to the times is important. This design ties into important aspects of what Pantheon MMO is trying to achieve. Traffic at banks, clicky items will mean that it'll encourage corpse recovery as well. And then you add in gold sink XP loss. Thumbs up from me. Um, So I know we're going to be talking about this a lot today, but do you want to hop in on this discussion quickly for, for a small piece? Yeah, I do. I do. Because I, I sort of broke up my opinions about each piece in a, into different sections. And so I'll just sort of my overall general opinion about the the uh, overall feel of this. And, and I'll give you a few details. But I think for the most part, like this is right in line with the vision that Pantheon's had since day one. I mean, I've been reading a lot of comments and, and you know, plenty of people have actually dug up old quotes from Brad and mm-hmm. from others who have said, you know, Pantheon will retain some of the features that made death punishing and to be feared, but also evolving into a modern system. And, you know, that that's what this is. I think what Lexer said was really smart, you know, about it does seem to be missing maybe that interesting twist, that unique twist that Pantheon has done with some other things. So we might see something like that down the road. But I think the, the bones here, I think the core of this is in line. And, you know, I, I don't really think anybody should, should be that surprised, to be honest. Um, like if we use the example of respawning with your gear, I think that's the right choice. And if there's a twist, maybe that's it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've seen grumblings about, you know, not having naked corpse runs. It's against the tenets, but really it's not, you know, it's just, it's just what we know from EQ, right? Yeah. Like EQ didn't have climates and glyphs. They didn't have climbing systems. The only thing you had to worry about when you got your corpse back was mobs, right? Um, in Pantheon, you might, you're going to need your gear to even be able to get back to the area where you died. Such a great point. If you're wearing acclimation gear, you can't even go to your corpse. If it was a naked corpse run, that's incredible. That's an incredible take. Great bring up. Yeah. So, and I think the aspect of this I like is that it does remove the risk of losing important items you've looted, right? So you've been on a dungeon, you're in a dungeon with your group, you know, hanging out, having a good time. You've looted, made some good rolls. You've gotten some good stuff. You got it in your inventory. You're not equipping it, you know, equipping it. Maybe they're just greed rolls. Mm-hmm. What if you're deep in the dungeon and you die? You want your corpse back. You are going to want it back. Um, you don't want to lose that stuff. So there's still a ton of risk that comes with dying. And the only, I saw somebody post this somewhere. I'm going to, the only caveat I'll say here about not having naked corpse runs 
is that it does take away the shame and embarrassment of seeing somebody <laughs> running back to their corpse in their underwear. There's something very social that I love about having people sort of like judge you as you trot by on your walk <laughs> yeah. of shame. <laughs> Those were good times, but yeah. Uh, yeah. No, great points. And like I said, we're going to get into even more of this throughout this show, but those are really good points. And I think you did a great job of uh, really adding some depth there for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that whole, the whole thing about not even being able to go to the area. That's, that's huge. It's absolutely mm-hmm. huge. And I think people um, like a lot of people have said, well, we're just going to throw it in the bank. We're going to throw our stuff in the bank and it won't matter. Uh, who's throwing J boots in the bank. If there's an yeah. item like J boot, like clickies, you don't throw clickies in the bank. Sometimes they're what make you strong. <laughs> You're not just going to throw them in the bank. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people carry alternate, you know, gear for situations that they might come across. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I think there's lots of situations where you're yeah. going to, you're going to want that corpse back. Yep. Okay. So let's get into a more fun, like uh, mm-hmm. a little more lighthearted of a topic here for the next one. And uh, then we'll get back into it. But this yeah, one yeah. was, do you have a favorite weapon? And if so, does it have a name? I love so, this thread. This, this is a good fun. one. This is a fun one to read. And people were posting pictures and you know, we can't visually show you that here with this podcast, but um, Grim Hopeful said there was a lot of nifty and cool looking rogue weapons in EQ one, but I'm going to have to go with the phenomenal one that required extensive work. So it made the reward so much more filling and it is Ragebringer. So he showed a picture mm. of the uh, stat window. Um, a good one. Yeah. Meldor said green mist. That's one of his favorites. Nice. Jim said the monk epic celestial fists with the swirly yin yang symbol was awesome. But I'm hoping for a new tranquil staff of thousand blows stun effect uh, and dual wielding fight and fighting patterns. Dude, fighting patterns oh, yeah. were one of the reasons I made a monk. They were so <laughs> fast. They were so fast. Oh, it's They're cool looking, man. Those dual fighting sticks. Those are awesome. Yeah. Um, Tristan slash Tyanu, Tyanu um, says the Makai fists for monks in Final Fantasy 14. The Kenji reads Noboru, which means to rise up, to elevate like that going in depth there um zorloaf says the nature walkers scimitar man i had forgotten about nature walker scimitar until i saw this picture oh man every druid had the nature walker scimitar it was prolific in yeah. everquest yeah it had the leaf effect is that what it had yeah 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 oh that's awesome um zerg jerk's great if anybody knows him he's a joker he's great guy great community person he is so into spears he is doing everything in his life drop by if you ever listen to these make a spear weapon for poor zerg jerk it could be a pole arm i think we've seen pole arms as a weapon type so let's get zerg jerk a spear he needs it i loved this sinful by nature goes thunder fury blessed blade of the wind seeker um, I don't know if you know this. Do you know that, Theric? No, Do you know what the, so this was the, familiar, it was the first epic like weapon in um wow. But what happened okay. is like as it like people could get it easier in the future, somebody would like it was always like the cool thing to do to link it in general chat, like because it was it was orange, right? And okay. then as soon as someone linked it, anyone else who had it would respond as they did in Twitter here. Did somebody say, and then they would link it again. So you'd see the orange link again, right? Um, so, and it would just fill the chat. Like anybody who had it, did somebody say Thunder Fury, Blessed Blade of the Windseeker? Just, and then it was, that was the next five minutes. It was great. You know what? I just had a moment of enlightenment. I realized now whenever somebody says, you know, in our Pantheon shows, whenever somebody says Bard and somebody always replies with, did somebody say Bard? 
that's what must be where that joke is coming from. I never really got it. I just thought it was a thing, but I guess that's where it's coming from. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. It was <laughs> great. It's great. Ashley says, um, yes. And the name is, and I'm going to butcher this. Lilacore. Lilacore. Yeah. Okay. Um, not only does this amazing two-hander have a decent stats and give immunity and confusion and charm, it is wildly hilarious. So this is a sword from Baldur's Gate 2, and it is a talking sword. Dude, dude, this is the best. This is my favorite response. I love this sword so much. I've played Baldur's Gate 2 a ton. It is absolutely hilarious, this sword, because the things it says, like it's it's taunting you, it makes fun of you, it makes jokes, it sort of like, it gets antsy and like wants to do something. It's like, come on, let's kill something right now. And it talks to you just randomly throughout the game. And they actually, they did this um, in homage to this weapon in uh, Pillars of Eternity ah, to, I can't remember if it's yeah. the second one or the first one. I think it's the second one. But there's a weapon in there that does the same thing that talks to you throughout the game, just randomly, like the oddest times when you're not expecting it. It's really funny. That's awesome. Uh, a couple more here. So the Sword of a Thousand Truths, that's the weapon that was given in the South Park episode of Make Love, Not Warcraft. I don't know right. if you've ever seen that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right. It was the only one that could take down the, the guy that was killing everybody. Um, and then the last one here, and that was from Stone to the Bone. The last one here is John Half-Dragon. Um, he says uh, his favorite is Don, the famous ancestral great sort of House Dane in A Song of Fire and Ice, or Ice and Fire, sorry, um, whose wielder is given the title Sword of the Morning. That's a great answer. That is a super cool sword, too, from the, from the uh, Game of Thrones series. I, when I responded to this for mine, Theric, I didn't put any words. I didn't put any, I just put a picture of Frostmourne and that's it all day, every day. Um, I'm actually mad at myself that I don't have that sword. As soon as this was done, I went and I started pricing the replica with the big wall hanger. Um, it's like, I think it's like 47 inches long, full steel. Um, there's a wall mount for it. It's beautiful. And I've started, I think it's like 200 bucks. Um, oh, you got to get that. Yeah, I'm going to get it. There's a lot of weapons that stood out to me in my MMORPG days, but like I didn't even have this one in the game. Like the villain had it and it was incredible and there was so much story around it. So for me, Frostmourne all day, every day. Yeah. So how about you? Oh, you're, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for me, it was so when I was a kid, I was huge uh, into the Dragonlance novels. So I'm just going to say the Dragonlance because it was actually a weapon. <laughs> like it was a big part. It was sort of the central um, the, the MacGuffin that they were after to try and, uh, you know, sort of throughout the novels. Um, and they named the whole series after it. So it's gotta be good. Right. But basically yeah, in the yeah. world, of, you know, in the, in the world of Kryn, you know, like there are these magical weapons, powerful enough to kill a dragon and they've been sort of lost in time. And the, the sort of uh, protagonists make their journey through the world to try and get the tools they need to reforge the dragon lances. And they do. And it ends up being like the, the weapon that takes down the, the great evil. So just a signature sort of great, great part from uh, my childhood uh, reading. Yeah. Awesome. So great start to the show today with uh, a lot of in-depth stuff and discussion on some pretty important things within you know, VR's direct reach. So that's it for VR News and Notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into social media and see what the discussion is all about. Okay. So yeah, like we said earlier, um, man, like when it rains, it pours and July was a long month. There was five Thursdays in it and we didn't get a lot of VR news until yesterday or I guess, uh, it's a couple of days ago now when you're listening to this. Um, but we did get a you know, big news drop and, and we've been talking about that already a lot up to this point. 
And we sort of glossed over some of it because I want to dive into some some uh, deeper discussions here. And um, I've I've edited the responses to the discussions a little more this week just to keep the show from being like four hours long. Um, but we're going to go to the PantheonMMO.com forums first. And as we said earlier, our pal and master crafter, Nefel, got a really good discussion going about how to deal with item durability. And as Vera suggested, that will be in the game. So it's in the crafting sub forum that post is titled death, durability, and repair. So the question he poses is, quote, how do you think durability should work in Pantheon? How do you think stats of items should be affected by it? Do you think repairs, how do you think repairs should work? And how do you think the crafters should be involved? So the way Nafel usually posts things is he asks the question, he lets the community respond, and then he jumps in with his idea. So I'll, I'll sort of follow that format here as well. Um, so first up, Vijek said, it's been, as previously discussed dozens of times and demonstrated in every historical game that has tried it without actual item loss through durability, it's a sad gimmick. But I don't see them doing that personally. It, it's a dirty band-aid on an arterial laceration of economic inflation as far as removing coin from a broken economy. Item loss from durability could, without too much exaggeration, completely shift the entire design of Pantheon's economy, their looting systems, crafting, and adventure loops, as well as many other game systems. Yeah, it would be a big deal. So he takes a, he takes a pretty hard line there with that. Delphalus said, I would hope there is some sort of item loss and or heavy player interaction with crafting to repair. I would imagine one could buy an item from a vendor and take it to a player with the adequate skill to repair the item. If there's no crafters, then a higher gold cost overall to repair via NPC, maybe. Uh, Questar said, as someone who loves crafting, I hope total durability down to loss of item does occur. I think it brings a touch of realism that's fun to deal with. Simple weapons require simple fixes. Magic items, more difficult fixes. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, Titanius, say that three times fast, said more than likely durability won't have much effect on crafters other than there may be some crafters who could craft portable durability fixes to sell to players. Or what if they made all the drops from raids, dungeons, and quests have low durability? They may have good stats, but are used up pretty quickly. Maybe the crafter's job is to give the items more durability so that they can survive, or so you can survive enough deaths to actually use the gear. Uh, Baron999 said, I see a lot of potential in this. Each crafting class could repair items that they can produce themselves. So this means a smith can make a sword as well as they can repair swords, even swords they didn't make themselves. You could add in several layers where the crafter can only repair items they have discovered in their recipes. If there are repair NPCs, I would allow them to repair up to a certain degree. A crafter, however, should be able to repair the items to a higher degree. I love that. I love yeah. that a lot. I'll go into it more, but I just wanted to say I love that right there. So. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a really um, prolific poster, Baron999. And I think he's really well involved with the crafting scene, too, over on... Uh, Nafel's site on Pantheon Crafters. So he's got a really good high level of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. Um, Lucy said, as someone who does enjoy crafting in games, I like the idea presented that crafters can not only craft, but also repair the same item types as they're able to craft. It lends itself well to a, to a dynamic world that stresses player interactions and the importance of community. It makes sense, perhaps allow potions of repair or something similar that will take you from the edge of broken to buy you some time to find someone who can do your major repairs, but the use of which is not conducive long-term. It's like using a bandage until you can get to your healer. 
uh, Gigantor said, I can see two types of durability loss, minor and severe. If you incur minor damage to your gear, I would expect to see a loss of gradual percentage of stats. Severe, however, would make the item no longer function or wearable until repaired by the appropriate profession or find an NPC who specializes in teaching players that profession for quite a heavy increase in material costs or straight gold. So we're kind of seeing like the divergence between the straight up item loss and then people are just saying like make the item unusable sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So uh, next up, Trasic said, I don't think that a cash payment is enough. We just end up with a WoW style cash sink of little consequence. I'd like to see a repair requiring a bit of the base material of the item and the skill to repair it. The level of damage will influence the, uh, the amount of material and how hard it is to repair. I would limit damageable items to visible armor slots and worn weapons. So each player really only needs to have one go-to repairer for armor and another for weapons. So those are the responses. Now, here's where Nafel jumps in and, and gives his idea for how this system might, you know, might look. Um, and he, you know, sort of gives a disclaimer, right? He's just sort of throwing this out there. It could be analyzed quite a bit further, but here's the background. Basically, durability as an across-the-board money sink tends to be boring, and players view it as a tax, which it is. Systems that try to involve crafters in repairing items tend to end up feeling gimmicky, like tiered versions of repair kits or lopsided, where crafters repair items better than NPCs do. In some cases, they can make people feel required to take up crafting just to repair their own gear, which doesn't really help social interaction. So here's the idea. Firstly, there's no durability number or percentage. Secondly, each time a character dies, worn items have a very low percentage chance to become, quote, damaged. A damaged item loses some of its effectiveness. Think of a damaged condition as like a debuff on the item. So if you had like a sword or a blade, it would become like a nicked blade or dented or chipped or something like that. Uh, he says damaged conditions can be removed in only one of two ways. So if one, visit an NPC repair, repair person and pay them a sum of money. How much money depends on the power level of the item and the damage condition that's applied to it. And secondly, have, or secondly, have a player crafter repair the item. To repair the item, crafters need the appropriate repair material, which is consumed during the repair. Repair materials needed dependent, uh, depend on the power level of the item and the damage condition. He gives a quick little example here. So say like level 12, Brian gets clobbered by some works and his heavy bronze shield is damaged, gaining the dented condition. Brian can visit the repair NPC and pay 30 silver to have it repaired, which is, you know, pretty expensive at level 12. Or his guildmate, Jessica, who's a blacksmith, can be paid to fix it. But in order to fix it, she'll need a bronze plate and as a repair material. So Nafel just sort of summarizes by saying, I think this is better than the traditional durability system because instead of being generic repair kits, player crafters need specific materials in order to fix the items. And since the different conditions are specific to the item types, thus crafting professions, players still have to rely on others from time to time, even if they are crafters themselves. SACT also forms the, it, it also uh, as a form of content generation, getting a bar of uh, like Phantom Steel, for example, might be an adventure in and of itself. Players can bypass the social requirement of the crafting content of obtaining the repair materials by participating in the money sink, but they can get very expensive at higher levels. There are some potential downsides, of course, to doing it this way, one of which is that someone could get unlucky and have a critical piece of gear damaged in a way that severely hinders them until they get it fixed. So he summarizes saying, but I feel like we're going to have durability and actually have it matter, not just be a tax that everyone pays. That's okay. So really cool idea. Um, and I think it, I like that direction. Um, and it's a good one. The uh, piece in the, about durability, basically in the news, just overall did catch me a little off guard. And so like, if I'm being honest, um, I'm not a fan of durability. Um, 
in the best case scenario, I found durability to be an annoyance. And in the worst case scenario, to be an utter frustration. Um, like, and if you think about if you played the Witcher games, it's inconvenient. Your stuff gets, you know, worn and you need to repair it. But in a game like Breath of the Wild, which we know we've seen is like a, some inspiration going on there, item durability is brutal. <laughs> you lose your weapons break constantly. And you, I know why they do it. I just find it super frustrating. And I know those aren't MMOs as well, but those are the ones that come to my mind. Um, you know, and the common sentiment, and it's correct that this is being done as a gold sink. But I really think you can do, a, you can do that in a lot of other ways. Keeping great items really rare to maintain their high value, making you know like necessary player skills such as resing and porting need costly materials, so they have people have to you know they have to charge people to provide that kind of service, or even like banking fees. Like those are all other ways. Just you know thinking of uh, other ways of a gold sink to keep the economy under control. And unless you make NPCs charge a huge amount for item repair, I really don't think you're taking that much coin out of the world anyway. But like the rest of, I don't know how they plan to do this. Um, so, you know, if I had my say, it would be fine another way. But then again, I also try to keep an open mind. Um, it's just one of those realism features we've, we've sort of talked about that sort of irks me a little bit. But um, Minus, I think you have a real differing opinion on this. And I'd be, uh, I'd love to hear your take on it. Yeah, I do. And, and for the first time, I'm actually going to diagnose a little bit of what you just said um, <laughs> and, and maybe challenge you a bit. So um, oh, yeah. I don't think we've done that much on a rewind. Um, so a couple things. Um, first, I do need to go back up to, I think his name's Trask. Does that sound right? Um, yeah, Trask. Trask. Um, listen, everything that happened in WoW isn't a bad thing. I, I, if, are we really going to build an MMO and not take anything from the, the most successful one? That would just be silly. Okay. But anyway, back yeah. to the point here. <laughs> um, so you, you, you phrased it very well. I think you said something along the lines of um, durability is at best an annoyance. And then like frustrating, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is is dying a good thing? Or is it something that should annoy you and you should be frustrated about, right? So that that's kind of one of my things. There's a lot of people saying that. And I get where you're coming from. I'm not trying to um like no, no. make Go it, for it um I'm not trying to like belittle it at all. But what I'm saying is is that when we die, punishment is not supposed to feel good. Um and if it is annoying that is one more piece of not wanting to die. Um, and and it's, it might be small, and I totally get that. Um, now, as far as the whole um, the gold sink thing and, and thinking of other ways, just to kind of talk about some of the stuff you mentioned there. Um, like you said, you know, keeping items rare to maintain their value or you know, resin and porting costs, um, stuff like that. That's not a gold sink. Those are gold trading. Um, for something to be a gold sink, it has to leave the game. Um, so right. the only way you can make gold sink is to give it to NPCs um, or, you know, something along those lines, be destroyed. Um, right. So those things are good and, and those are important. And I would argue that for a great item to have a high value um, that is like fun and fair, it, it you have to remove tons of money from the economy. And, and it, we kind of talked about this on Pantheon Plus U. It's like, do you want the most expensive item to cost 100 platinum or do you want it to cost a million platinum? Right. What feels better? Um, and, and I get what you're saying. Like, there, there does need to be other ways. The one you brought up was bank fees or like 
you actually said that you don't like that it felt like a tax, but taxes are another good way to actually <laughs> um, remove money out, like taxes on auction houses and taxes on bank, or if we have housing eventually, taxes there. So like taxes are good. Um, and you said you're not sure like how much money it takes out. And I, I won't know either. I'm not sure. But I know that it punished me and wow. Um, mm. You know, we, we would spend three straight hours wiping on a singular fight and I had to have somebody put down a repair bot um, which was just, you know, it was just an NPC vendor. Um, and that repair bot, every single person in the raid would have to use probably, uh, at least once an hour and with higher end gear, you know, it was very expensive. Like I would lose thousands of gold individually. Um, and some people may say, well, that's not a ton because people have millions. Well, for me, it was a ton. Um, just because a lot of people have a lot of money doesn't mean everybody does. Yeah, um, yeah. so, so my take on it is that, I, I mean, I really like it. Um, I don't actually look at it as a realism feature as much. I don't think, um, or like an immersion thing. I just think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's smart. Um, can there be other ways to gold sink? Sure. But why not stack those up? I mean, if we're playing five years from now and a hundred platinum is a big deal, that's awesome. Like that feels yeah. so good. Um, yeah. So I want that. I want that too. You know, I want the economy to stay, under control and i want value to be kept through the items um yeah no those are good points and you know i like i said i keep an open mind about it i'm i'm thinking about it from a you, you i think the point you made about you, dying should suck it definitely <laughs> should suck you know and i'm you know i'm all for that i i don't i just feel like this might be something that um just that one step too far maybe but, is, it, um, is it because you're playing a ranger? <laughs> I'm going to be dying a lot, man. Like, <laughs> dude, you're going to be broke, and I'm dying a lot. That's a terrible combination. We're we're That's setting true. ourselves up for a real bad time here. That's true. This. I, I will. <laughs> so. The last thing I'll say about this: there's a lot of great points brought up here. Um, I don't think gear should ever break. I think that's. Yeah, that's it, scary, right? That's so, so a real. Here, yeah, yeah. So here, here's the deal with gear breaking. If you build your entire game around gear breaking, it's fine. It's still annoying. It's way more annoying than durability loss. Um, but you have to build the whole game around it. Because if items can break, they need to drop more often. So yeah. it, breaking items isn't a let's have that happen type of thing. That is a build the entire game around it thing. That's yeah. You can't just add that. So I'm, I'm totally against items completely breaking. Um you know, I, I think Wild did it right. Um, the difference is, is that Pantheon's going to control item drops. There's going to be um, resellable items. Even though Wild did it a certain way, it doesn't have to play out like Wild's did. And what it was is once your durability on your gear hit zero, you couldn't use it until yeah. it got fixed. Um, yeah, I don't want to see items breaking either. And I think uh, that's what Vjack said. The first comment was basically, you better appreciate how much of uh, impact that'll have on the game and probably not <laughs> something that they want to do anyway, so... Yeah, that would that would suck. I mean, I don't want to lose my rare drop. How much I, would you how much would you farm for a crazy awesome epic sword if and then on top of that use it uh knowing it could break forever? Like ugh, that's that's game changing. Yeah. Like Well, I I mentioned Breath of the Wild. You know, that was exactly what I did in Breath of the Wild. I would get an awesome weapon and then I would never use it. <laughs> Cuz I'm like <laughs> I don't want to lose this thing. I'm going to need it at some point. We're all sort of like hoarders when it comes to loot a lot of times. We know like we're going to come up with a situation where like, oh, I really wish I had that right now or I'm glad I still have this. So I would well, just we know store Joppa, these weapons forever. 
We know Joppa loves that game. So Joppa, if you ever listen to these, I'm curious how you hold on to items in Breath of the Wild. Are you like Farrick? If it's going to break, you don't use it until that special moment. <laughs> or you so. get it down to like where it's flashing, where you know it's about to break and then you never use it. I don't know, but <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great discussion. I'm glad that we had that um, counterpoint sort of situation. So uh, we will um, we'll break it up a little bit here with our introductions. We only had the one introduction this week, and it's from somebody who we know really well, and we talked about already, and that's Zerg Jerk. So he was um, he was motivated by our uh, our segment every week on the uh, on the rewind here to go and introduce himself on the forums, and that's what he did. So. Let's uh, let's learn a little bit about our pal Zerg Jerk. So he says, um, "Forgot to do this when I pledged, but here it goes." Hello, fellow travelers of the version of this version of the multiverse. Longtime gamer here. Had my first computer, a Commodore 64, back in 1990, and been gaming ever since. First MMO I played was Dark Age of Camelot. I started in 2001. I played that for 15 years, nearly. After, during that, I tried EQ1 and 2, Rift, City of Heroes, Warhammer, uh, Guild Wars 1 and 2, and at least 20 more. So, like, Zergdrick's got a lot of experience with MMOs. <laughs> um, and he's, his previous names in other games, he says, so if you come across Dumber Hulk, uh, Zerg Jerk, obviously, Shadow Jerk, or Zerg V Jerk, that was me. <laughs> Solo PvP, you're mainly with odd specs, but now I tend to like PvE more and co-op games. I'm really hoping for a good social guild that I can join and even sing karaoke over Discord on oh Friday boy. night or recite poems about how bad gnomes are. He's really taken on a hate for gnomes lately. I'm curious as to where this came from, but I'll have to ask him about that. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think anybody should take on you know hate against one race that seriously. <laughs> yeah, um, why does that sound so familiar? Hmm. Hmm. Very curious. Anyway, uh, he says, at the moment, I've pledged to five different MMOs, but Pantheon seems to be the first that's forum community is a non-toxic one. So cheers to that. Hang, I hang, on at pa- hang out at Pantheon Plus on Pantheon's uh, Discord when I'm not working. And if I have time, I always am up for some tabletop simulator games, deep, deep rock galactic via Steam, or just chatting about some random topic while waiting for Pantheon. So awesome intro, Zerg Really appreciate it. And really appreciate you every week coming out and being a part of our community. It's in the show. So great stuff, dude. And we will go from there over to Reddit. So with Reddit this week, I'm going to highlight some comments that go against the prevailing mentality about experience loss upon death being a good thing. Um, So I don't think it's a stretch to say that actually the vast majority of people who are following Pantheon news would be news would be the case. They want it. But there's also folks who don't. And I always try to, you know, see an issue from all sides and make sure I have a thorough understanding. So I don't, uh, I don't just discount or disregard these kinds of comments, and I like to bring them to the, to the surface as well. So we'll start off with uh, the first one. Uh, Taladel said, the only thing I don't like is the XP loss. It's weird. It's a weird additional punishment for people leveling, but has no effect on max level players. By default, this will encourage people rushing to max level to minimize the effects of being killed. It'll also discourage grouping with people that are lower level or you don't know. I expect this to mean when dungeons have level ranges, you'll see most people only taken at the higher end of the range unless they are a support class. Due to the risk of an inexperienced person playing through something and costing you experience, which I find very disappointing. For a game that was supposed to be about teamwork, this feels counterproductive. Um, Situation Soap uh, replied saying, you'll be downloaded for that opinion because it's not popular in the sub, but you're right, having XP penalties on death is going to create perverse incentives within the player base. One of the things that having a particularly punishing death penalty does is cause players to be significantly less adventurous because the cost for dying is punitive. Lots of people will aggressively try to avoid dying, which means locking into the safest, most efficient way of doing things very early on. 
Uh, Finina said, extreme death penalties aren't fun. No matter how much someone's nostalgia-riddled brain wants to twist it into the only reason death was impactful, wants to twist it into the only reason death was impactful. So I, I do have a nostalgia-riddled brain. I'll, I'll admit to that a little bit. It's so. kind of funny, like, when you read, you can tell, like, when you read certain comments, like, what social media platform it's on. And, like, like yeah. and I'm not I'm not knocking on anybody, but, like, you know, the first comment from Situational Soap, there's a Situation Soap says, you'll be downvoted for this. Like, let's, you have to set this precedence before you say your opinion on Reddit. This one's, yeah. uh, someone's nostalgia-riddled brain. Again, no knock on these people because this is just how Reddit is. But and they're providing great stuff here. But I think it's funny. Yeah, I think it's funny too. I, you know, and I, I agree with you. It's a sort of a symptom of the uh, the climate that it occurs in, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then lastly, Zero Dan said, "Losing X percent of of XP will discourage trying out some stuff." In in my opinion, everyone will just play it safe. So no more Leroy Jenkins idiotic risks. Idiotic or not, it's fun. That's what the focus should lie on. A lot of fun stems from just being curious whether you can climb that mountain, what's in that cave, etc. If you have a fear to lose hours of progress, people will just not do it or only do it just when they dinged and not have much to lose. <clears throat> so like I said, I respect differing opinions always. Um, I really do think XP loss, though, is the easiest, probably was the easiest decision for VR to make when it came to the death penalty, bit of a no-brainer. Um, it just makes the most sense. And it's, you know, basically it's the primary means of progression in this game, risk versus reward. Um, you know, it always comes back to having respect for the world. Fun isn't feeling like everything is just there for the taking, um, you know. So I don't think the risk discourages exploration, like some people said here, um, and taking on fights. In fact, I think it encourages it because at the end of the day, you know, there's plenty of MMOs out there right now. You can play where XP loss is like negligible and there's no real danger. So, you know, I don't know why Pantheon would want to, be just another face in that crowd but um this one i think we're on the same page right <laughs> yeah and there's one little thing i want to talk about here it's important uh one I, I don't have any facts i don't have any details but my heart tells me we're going to learn something about dying at max level where this ex xp loss is going to matter somehow um i think that's coming um yeah. the d leveling is not rolled out um i think we saw that with Joppa's face last night there's something yeah. <laughs> going on with that um, yeah. And I got to be honest, like, I think, you know, I've never streamed um, a game like this. Like I, I streamed a couple things here and there, but I've never streamed a game. I'm going to be super dedicated in and try to, you know, constantly be a part of the community. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to see me dying all the time on the stream. And it's <laughs> probably going to be people's favorite things. But here's the other piece of it. Um, you know, when we talk about um, dying all the time, so people in the Pantheon community are really against like dailies and repetitive tasks, right? Yep. How do you make up for it? <laughs> Don't ever end the leveling. Right. There you go. Right. So yeah. there's a reason to keep getting experience. That's a huge way to keep people playing. When you lose experience, you're going to play more like, yeah, like going from level one to 50 and wow is an X amount of experience. That's a predefined pretty much. That's what's going to happen. Um, doing it in Pantheon is different for everyone. However, many times you die is going to change how much experience you need to be max level and stay there. And that's an interesting concept that I think XP loss plays very well into um, helping with that carrot we talk about sometimes, like mm -hmm. the carrot um, in front of you and making you play. And I think I think that's where that's going to come in as a very important piece. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And we I think we have a real misconception about how dying affects your psychologically. Like, is your when your character dies? I don't get frustrated and want to quit. I want to go back and you know 
get over that hump. Like I want to go back and overcome that challenge. I'm more motivated. Sometimes, um, like we've talked about for the King before, and it's sort of like a roguelike. I, I get really far into a campaign and then my, my campaign ends, I die. You'd think I'd be like, oh, damn, I'm walking away. No, I'm starting a new game right away. I'm like, <laughs> screw that. I'm like, that's not how this is going to go. So I, I think that um, maybe we just haven't seen this kind of a game in a long time to remember how that feels. So uh, yeah, good, good one. Um, instead of Facebook this week, I'm going to highlight... There's a couple more uh, fan fiction pieces that I want to I want to put the spotlight on again. So our buddy Ben and I back with his latest fan fiction tale. It went up this week and it's called Amonsol's Shadow in the Shadow of the Sun, the 11th tale of the unseen pillar of the House of Amonsol. So I know these titles keep getting longer and longer and he keeps <laughs> writing more and more. I've actually like had to go back and sort of try and figure out where each of them fits in the in the timeline of his story, but um, they're really good. And if you're following it, this one, we learn a little bit more about Cole, who's a member of the royal lineage in Thronefast, and we've seen um, him as a child in some of Ben and I's previous stories. This one, there's a really cool piece that gives a really different perception on a well-known figure from the official lore, and I'm not going to spoil it because I want you guys to go read it, but um, definitely go get a read when you get a chance. It's not super long. It's not going to take a bunch of your time, so... And the other lore piece that I want to highlight here is from uh, our buddy uh, J.S. Bukeri, also known as, formerly known as Booch. <laughs> and he's done, he's got a partnership going with professional voice actor Chris Kane and also lore master himself. If you haven't seen the previous ones, these are where Chris is doing a dramatic reading of, of Booch's writing. And the video that uh, they put out on YouTube this week um, is called A Rogue at Midnight. And so like, it's awesome because there's, ambient sound effects there's imagery to go along with the story and not only is booch like an amazing writer he's also an incredible artist who actually draws the artwork for his pieces um it's like four minutes to go and watch this and it's definitely deserves more views so i encourage all of our listeners to go and check it out and leave a comment for booch and chris and let them know that you enjoy that so i really i really enjoy them and i can't wait for more of those so yeah and uh whew, that's it for this week's uh, community discussions Let's talk content creator updates and new additions to Pantheon. Plus. We told you guys this was going to be a pretty packed episode, but I'll try to get through the Pantheon Plus website side of it and the content creators a little quicker. So the death penalty was a huge topic. It is on this show. It was across all of them. You had one from Nathan, one from Nathan, and one from us at Pantheon Plus. So here's the quickest way I'm going to sum it up. Ours, um, which was, by the way, our fastest growing video ever. I thank you guys so much for that. Like, I swear to God, I stay humble. I'm not just trying to like put a fake face on like you guys. It's incredible how you guys make us feel. And we thank you for that. Um, but well, ours, I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to jump in here and say your commitment to making that video is very impressive. That was like a late night. The bat signal went up. And next thing I knew, you had a video out within an hour of that news coming out. I, you're, you're an amazing, I don't know how you do it, man. You're I was incredible. laying in bed at my girlfriend's house. She was just about to pass out. I was on my phone just checking what's happening that came up. I looked at her. I said, I need to go. She's like, okay. And I ran home and made the video. <laughs> the city needs me. I must leave. <laughs> um, but you know, ours, you know, it's, we give the bullet points out and we give opinions. You know, that's what we do at Pantheon plus what kind of that. Again, I always say the best way to explain it is sitting at a bar with your friend, having a drink chat. That's kind of the way we try to make uh, content. Bazgrim's video, he's he said it straight up. It's, it's just the facts. So if you want to see just facts of what came out, maybe layered with some of the past information that ties into it, that's going to be the video for you. And then Nathan actually focuses a bit more on Corpse Run. 
um, and talks about like his, his thoughts on it in the past and why he likes corpse runs and that kind of thing. So a little three different ways to look at it. It's what I love about our community. We all kind of present it in a different way to keep it fresh. Or if you hate me, you can listen to somebody else and find someone you like. Um, and I think that's really super important. And that's why we're so excited to be like part of a community that does this together. Um, yeah. We referenced it a few times, but we had our uh, developer stream recap last night. So that's uh, episode 41, 41 episodes we've had of Pantheon plus you and we kind of dissected that, but the cool part of it was we had a rocking green room and a lot of great conversations. So even if you're sick of hearing from us, skip towards the end and you can see that on there as well. Um, Bazgrim also did a Baz flash to sum that up in his minute 60 seconds, which is a uh, comment as well. So you can find all that on uh, pantheon.plus as well as the, uh, the rogue story that uh, Chris mm-hmm. read from Booch. So that's on there as well on the bottom. Um, so what's being worked on? So I put a spoiler out. Yes. Last night during Pantheon plus you, I posted the, um, splash videos, uh, pictures for our two YouTube videos coming up. We should have one coming up a couple of days after you're listening to this. Um, and that will be for climates, um, which will be climate and, um, acclimation. And we'll have a second video, uh, probably a week later. That's going to talk about artifacts and atmospheres. And it's cool because each one of them, we've been able to tie in a, um, a boss fight we've seen. Um, we've tied in um, conversation from newsletters, from Discord, um, all kinds of stuff in these. So tying them all together, we did some custom artwork. I think it's going to give a really good view on these systems and how important they are. And then at the end of the month, we're actually going to have a Pantheon Plus U episode, which ties them together and opens up discussion about how these systems are going to work. And what's really cool is in between all that, uh, Theric, you're actually going to be hooking up the community with like a lore video based on these mm-hmm. environments, right? So, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go through and like look at the world and look at all the places where the and the climates and acclimation might be a real factor and like why it's like that there. So it's going to be a great uh, August sort of theme month. I really, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Yeah, something a little different. It's not something we'll do all the time, but like it, we had a, it, it came to be in a really cool way. So we're excited for it. Um, from other news for us, so Defend the Night and I have been talking quite a bit, um, and we have some really exciting stuff that's going to be coming up for coverage of Defend the Night for stuff people may have not seen yet. Um, so stay tuned. I really can't say too much of it right now because it's kind of secret stuff, um, but keep an eye out if you want to get some updates on Defend the Night, what they've been working on. Um, we're going to have a couple shows coming up uh, in the near future here that might be pretty neat and get your interest. And then um, Valer, which we haven't talked about recently because they've kind of they kind of quiet this last month, but they just opened up a, a pre-alpha test around housing. I haven't even gotten to get into it yet because I was working all day. But I know um, while I'm at work, Theric's sending me pictures of his house that he's designing. <laughs> so if, for anyone who tries it or gets into pre-alpha this weekend to see it, um, it's very, very early. They were very, you know, this is the first time housing's ever been seen or tested. Um, but Theric, you know, in this early state, did you have fun with it? I mean, what was it like? Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. It was pretty basic, um, but it worked. Uh, it was a sort of a, you know, pieces you put together and you sort of build your house and you can kind of design it a little bit. And it was just testing out the the sort of me- the systems, the mechanics. Um, like I said, not not a ton of depth to it, but um, certainly uh, uh, promising. And um, yeah, I spent about 20 minutes just building uh, my little house in the prairie there and uh, <laughs> Took a couple pictures, sent them to you, and um, um, I think the servers are up right now for another uh, 12 hours or so. I could be wrong, but um, at the time we record this anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to see what they're doing over there at uh, Quasar Studios. 
Yeah, that game's really early in uh, development, guys. So, like, when you see it, know that. But um, it's been fun. We've had a lot of fun with it. So, um, and that's it for uh, Pantheon Plus and uh, all the new additions from the month, week, week, month. What am I saying from the week? <laughs> and now it's time for bold Pantheon takes. Okay, so the final news about the death mechanics in Pantheon is where I'm going to go with my bold take this week, because it's the one the one aspect we haven't really talked about too, too much yet. And to be fair, it's more of a bold question, but, you know, whatever, deal with it. Um, I'm curious about why. So my question is, my bold question is, I'm curious as to why all the resin classes or the healer classes, priest classes, whatever they want to call it, were made to give the same amount of experience back upon resurrection. So, um now, I don't have a huge problem with it, but I, it feels like it's a little against the grain for the class identity philosophy of Pantheon. Um, now, basically what it's saying to me in my take and could be always, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not the be all end all for anything. So my take on it is that what it's saying is the ability to resurrect is much more important than other skills. So it's getting like a special exemption. Now, I can agree with this to some extent because resing is very important and death and dying, as we've talked about. But then again, it's a slippery slope, you know, if you start to extend that to other skills that are shared across multiple classes. What about, you know, porting for wizards and druids or the ability to taunt for the tank classes or even stealth for like scouting classes? Whoa, you know? whoa, whoa. I know this is bold take time, but only one class can stealth. You can continue. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's invisibility and uh. maybe my, my pet ferret can scout but not invisibly are you saying your pet ferret your pet ferret <laughs> ferret ferret that's your, what it's your pet ferret ferret i can't even say that is gonna be equivalent to me in style get out of here continue yeah, that's exactly what i'm saying yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway yeah no um so you know basically these are signature class skills like that's exactly why you're you know i think you're uh, raising your hand there because these are class skills they're signature skills and they play a pivotal role in the group right so should warriors dire lords and paladins be able to draw aggro equally should wizards and druids be able to port uh, equally distanced from like major cities or bind locations you know class identity really is a defining feature of pantheon and they need to be very mindful with this and i'm sure they are I think maybe um, you can maintain an imbalanced res return, like res experience return. You know, clerics get the best because shamans have better buffs and druids have better offensive skills, you know, and just in terms of the healer class type things. Um, that's just an example. But having said that, again, I'm sure they've considered this. I just I would love to hear the reasoning behind um, this decision. But, um, you know, again, if I had to guess, they don't want to make one of the healer classes the required class just because it returns the most XP upon uh, resing. So, you know, you get away, you get to that sort of, you know, viability question that we've talked about before. But um, have you have you thought about that at all, Minus? What's your take on that? um, That it's it's, it's very interesting the way you you pose it there made me think of it a, a little differently. But what I would say is that if you were to use the most effective tactics available no. um <laughs> i didn't say it i didn't <laughs> say it um it. if you use the most effective tactics available and there is a class that can res higher um it is going to support that most effective tactics available very heavily um especially if experience loss is painful like if a cleric gives you more experience the server population of healers um will highly lean towards cleric. It, it just is an example. Now for people yeah. who want to be backup healers or support, you'll still see druids and shaman, 
But if Leclerc can res more and be more effective in that role, especially for progression guilds, um, it's such a slant. I get what you're saying. You actually, you actually made me think twice about saying that even because of the, you know, talking about how you, you did the other classes there, but whew, that's a tough one. That's tough. Yeah. Like I said, I think it does fall into that category of being such a crucial mechanic, a crucial uh, ability that it gets a bit of an exemption, but, um, who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll hear more about it later, but, uh, so what's, what's your bold take? I gotta tell you, um, out of everything we do, there's nothing harder in the world than come up with a bold take on every week, week in, week out basis. It's, it, it's so hard. Um, so that's a small hint that this category may be rotating out in the future. <laughs> um, I just don't, I don't want to have a bold take just to have it. Right. Like, so I sit here and I'm like, well, what is a bold take? Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing this just to make people mad, but if it's bold, it's got to be bold. So I do, I still think I have a few. But um, it took me a little bit to come up with this one, but I've kind of talked about it before, so I'm just going to put it all in one neat package. So here, here's my bold take. If VR has to or decides to go back on a tenant that the game is based on, I think that without a doubt, it's going to be instancing. Um, now, I'm not saying that the game will become WoW-like. Everybody put your pitchforks down. You can stab me when I'm done. Um, I think that there's no danger to do this. Um, but I do think that, uh, or so I'm sorry, I just don't think there's any danger. It's going to become wild like, right? Um, but I do think that there's going to be certain areas, like deep within a raid area or a dungeon, some are very hard to get to, that will lead to like an instanced event style fight in the future. I think that what you can do with instancing of a special story or an epic, epic like end to a big fight or something that you've been building up to. It's just too good to skip out on it from a developer standpoint. I think too, that while there may be backlash at first, if this ever were to happen, I think that since it'll be so little content that instant that's instance versus like the majority of the game being non-instance and open, that it will eventually, I think be something that would be welcomed as a good idea. I just think when it comes to battling in like a changing environment where the ground breaks or the room shifts, or perhaps there's a battle in space or the the fight teleports you into a new area and, and this and that, like something crazy like that, that only works as an instance battle. I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see it happening any other way, especially with corpse recovery. Um, I don't see a lot of value in having spectators, spectators in those types of fights either. Like that's a big thing. Like, well, I want to be there to watch it. If you're being teleported by the big baddie up into a spaceship and flying through space and there's this huge event coming, you got to kill him before the end of this thing. Um, you shouldn't have spectators there checking it out. Just like, Hey, I'm just on the ship hanging out. <laughs> like it's stupid. <laughs> um, so I think that if it's done well and sparingly for these special events or special story experiences or these culminating big things, I think it's, um, it's going to be very redeeming to experience it that way. So let me be clear. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do this just because they don't want, they you know, don't want to hold true to their tenant. I don't think that at all. Um, but just because I think they'll be able to deliver some great content this way in the future. Yeah. What do you, think? you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some props here because you, uh, you said something a while ago that has kind of stuck in my brain. Um, I've always, I've been really hardcore on the open world aspect of things and instancing is something that I've been very against. Um, but you did ask me one time, you said, you know, what if you've been working on this perception storyline that, you know, has been, you've been spending a month working on it. You're getting to the epic final conclusion of it. It's a huge boss battle it's a thing you know that you've invested a lot of time in and you go to do it and it's an 
pure open world system and somebody, you know, group runs in, ganks it, you know, you're out, that kind of thing. And that kind of lingered in my brain. It kind of hung around and I've, I've kind of started to see the logic there, you know? Um, so I don't think you're, uh, I don't think you're, um, you know, it's not, it's not that off the, off the plate, I guess, in my mind, uh, in terms of being hardcore open world, I can see where you're going with this. And I kind of like where you're going with it as well. Yeah. Like I said, not, it's not open world will be the gameplay, but yeah. 5% instance for these special events. I mean, we're talking, let's be honest here. This is a medieval MMORPG, but it's very sci-fi. There's space yeah. and collisions, like, like teleporting <laughs> up into space where you're the only group that's there and fighting this. And I get the whole, well, you're not the only hero, but maybe you're the one that's there at that point, you know? <laughs> so, like, And again, I just, I can't even think to myself like Zerg jerk running around with a spear, just watching up on the spaceship that we somehow found our way there through half of a fight. Like, Hey guys, like, it's just it's so silly to me. <laughs> if we're on a spaceship, he's going to be killing a lot of gnomes because they're the only ones that have a spaceship at this point in the whole lore. <laughs> so <laughs> that might be good for him. He might like that. Uh, so there's my bold take. Uh, I guess it's not too bad, but um, yeah, it's tough to come up with these on a, a weekly basis. So, um, well, Therick, we <laughs> so, ran we ran over a few minutes. It's not crazy. Okay. It's not the longest episode we've ever had, but I think that there was a lot of good discussion to be had. Um, we got a lot of information and hopefully you guys have all enjoyed it. So as always, thank you for checking this out with us. Thank you for being a part of the community. Um, and we hope to continue to grow this, uh, however you like to listen to it, whether it's on YouTube live on demand, or again, with our, our partners on Spotify or iTunes and stuff like that. So it's a blast as always. Um, and, uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon plus rewind. Be sure to follow minus and all Pantheon plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.